Yeah, this is a fun topic. And yes, it's very cliche that everybody thinks that maybe they'll remember that they were someone famous. Obviously, yes, I in my early career, I regressed six Cleopatras. So let's say <laughs> that, that ain't gonna happen. Okay, maybe it was one of them Cleopatra, I don't know. And if people listen to Coast to Coast AM, my friend George Nori has a lady who calls in who really believes she is Cleopatra and she calls mm-hmm. in all the time. So all these people cannot be Cleopatra. We know that. So the reality is what is going on there? This is one thing I have said since I started this crazy profession. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going on here. Are they right. picking up on an archetype? Is there something about that regal queen that is speaking to them as at a soul level and they've adopted that. And even getting back to Bridie Murphy, you know, they thought she was making that whole thing up also. But as you've also mentioned, which is true, most people who go into these scenarios are, yes, scrubbing the bidet or they're some peasant there. A lot of times they're killed for stealing food. That's a very Mm -hmm. common one, just something very remedial. And that's one of the reasons why I think it is valid and it must be coming from somewhere. Because if we were going to make this stuff up, then wouldn't we want it to be more exciting? And yet- Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio, exploring the frontiers of spirituality, consciousness, the esoteric, and humanity's sacred relationship with a living earth. I'm your host, Nick Mather. And in this episode, I am joined by author and past life regressionist Shelley Kerr to talk about her book, Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds. Shelley discusses past life regression as a healing modality, including past lives and energy work, her concept of superetrovy, which refers to spontaneously induced past life memories, and genealogical regression to heal ancestral wounds. Also, please be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. Your support is truly appreciated. Shelley Kerr, PhD, is a world-renowned past life regressionist. Her method of combining energy work with hypnosis has been endorsed by numerous leaders in the field of consciousness, including near-death pioneer Dr. Raymond Moody and Dr. Brian Weiss. Kerr has been prominently featured in the media, including Coast to Coast AM and William Shatner's Weird or What. She joins me today to discuss her latest publication, Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds. Shelley, welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio. Nick, thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to be with you. Yes, well, thank you. I'm looking forward to this. I have a ongoing interest in reincarnation. Now, personally, you know, I told you before I hit record, you know, I, I teach philosophy and religious studies. And because of that philosophy background, I'm evidence guy. I don't like to believe things without evidence, but I think that there's a lot of evidence for reincarnation. I think there's a lot of really compelling evidence for it. And, and I don't disregard hypnosis. I know some people do, but I don't disregard that at all. So I'm really looking forward to the insights that you have to share here. So I thought that we would begin for the people in my audience who may not be familiar with you or your work. I thought I'd ask you to give a, maybe a little bit of your backstory. What led you to becoming a past life regressionist? Yes, I can definitely relate to everything you're saying for sure. And yeah, it's a strange profession. And so I did first get introduced to this in childhood. I had quite the eclectic childhood. I was raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We moved over to Colorado Springs when I was a kid. I lived there as and well. 
yeah. the Colorado connection that we yeah, have. Yeah. So in the 70s, there was a really famous book that was written called The Search for Bridie Murphy. And it was mm-hmm. about a past life case that people may or may not. I, I think viewers and listeners may have heard of this one before. Very, very famous. And the subject and the hypnotherapist in that book happened to live in Pueblo, Colorado. That's right. And so That's right. my mom was out at a luncheon when I was a little kid and basically met the woman who had been hypnotized and met them, bought the book and brought it home to the family dinner table when I was a kid. So I don't really know what normal people out there are talking <laughs> <about>. <laughs> at the family dinner table, but we actually had a discussion about past mm. lives and there was just something about that philosophy at a soul level, not just through my child's eyes that just said, you know what, this makes sense. And then as an adult, I had run into a hypnotherapist. I'd I'd always been interested in the ideas of that, just in the back of my mind. And after a friend of mine was killed, suddenly I had kind of, I had hung on to unresolved grief for many years. And this is the subject of a lot of my books. I had had encounters where I thought I saw him visibly. And that was kind of, it's, it's a long story, but anyway, somebody finally said, well, maybe you've had a past life with this person. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that in a while. So I had a regression and in the hypnotherapy aspect of the past life regression, you're, you're going into these guided imagery scenarios where just things are made different for you philosophically. Let's say you thought one thing, but suddenly now you're able to open your mind to something else and just view a problem from a totally different perspective. And something about that for me, just let me release that finally after many, many years. And I thought, wow, this was really profound. And so I began uh, becoming introduced to different people and and ended up doing that myself. And now it's been over 20 years. So a long time and a lot of people that I've worked with. And I I just like the hypnosis process. You mentioned evidence and things like that. I'm not one that I I think, you know, you look at the work of like Dr. Ian Stevenson and others who really spent their whole careers trying to say, we're going to prove this. And I'm so grateful that they do, because I think it Mm -hmm. lends credibility, but my process and my thinking is more along the lines of what happens internally within each person, how they changed the way they're viewing their lives. Maybe they're not suffering anymore. And so we go into the past to, to look at issues and say, well, okay, how does this issue that happened in the middle ages relate, for example, to what I'm doing now? And if people can say, oh, you know what? I'm doing the same thing. I don't need to do that anymore. Or, wow, this was wonderful. I think I want to do more of that. Then the internal shift that goes on within the person and how they use that to make the now and the future a happier place to be has really been more of my focus. Yeah, well, I think that's totally legitimate. And that's one of the thoughts that I had when I was going through your book was, you know, I think that with you mentioned Dr. Ian Stevenson, those tend to be focused on recent past lives and you can then document things, but it's very difficult to document something. If you have a past life memory of living in a Neolithic society, for example. Right. And what occurred to me though, is, you know, it really doesn't matter whether or not that can be documented because what seems to be happening is that your clients are experiencing a healing and, that's what's really the important feature here, I think. 
And so I, I, I'm totally on board with that. And similarly, I also knew Bridie Murphy. And for me, the big introduction to reincarnation was the movie in the book, Audrey Rose, also a product of the seventies, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't remember it. I saw it creep up on my Amazon ribbon not so long ago. So I'm gonna have to give it another look. Your focus is entirely on the past life regressions or do you do other kinds of hypnotism for people? Well, actually I do a lot of other kinds of different things. The earlier part of my career, I wrote my first book on past lives in 2003, which is mm -hmm. having a 20 year anniversary. Yeah, this year. Yeah. Not the one that Brian Weiss endorsed, but at the same time I was before and off air friends, we were talking about our connection to Arizona. So I had lived mm -hmm. in Phoenix also area. And as an adult started going to the Tucson gem and mineral show, I was writing my dad was managing the Kingman and Bisbee turquoise mines basically mm -hmm. back in the seventies. So I started writing about gem and mineral healing and I've channeled a lot of energy healing modalities. And so that's part of how I've combined the energy healing aspect with the regression process. And then the other thing I wanted to mention, you mentioned proving past lives, as you've said, if I lived in ancient Egypt or something, that is just not going to happen. But I developed another process that's called genealogical regression. And I have a book yeah. about that where people who I thought didn't really need the past life regression, we go and meet with their parents and we were traveling down into the past to have visionary encounters with their ancestors. Mm -hmm. And so those kinds of things, I had a case study very recently that was pretty interesting. This woman had taken a class. She heard in her inner mind, the name of, you know, McAllister, that's not the name, but let's just say mm -hmm. that that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And she thought that's weird. I've never heard that before. So then she was able to then go out to ancestry.com and find out that she had these ancestors with that same name and research wow. the thing that had happened in her inner mind. So I think we have a lot better shot at yeah. those kinds of proof mm -hmm. displays than we do with past lives. But yeah, I do a lot of different kinds. Of okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned the genealogical regression because I wanted to ask you about that because I'm a firm believer that our ancestry can wound us in many ways. And I can speak to that just personally on a more immediate level with my mother, her mother, and then her mother's mother, but also the Mather family in general. You know, we were one of the best known Puritan families in, in, the, in the colonies. And we have a lot to account for. And so I'm always really interested about how that manifests in a person's life. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. If you had asked me 20 years ago, when I first got into this, what are the things influencing us? I never would have even thought about this yeah. but through working with clients. I started doing this process back in the early 2000s when people mm. would come for past life regression. And I was sitting there intuitively going, they don't need to go there. We need to go do some healing with their parents or something. Mm. Yeah. But now the consciousness has shifted such that uh, my publisher, Llewellyn, basically, I had written a couple books for him and they said, hey, would you write some more books for us? And I said, <laughs> Well, maybe I'll get this little old thing out of the drawer. And yeah. so I, this book came out in 2021 called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. Mm. But now it's getting into the popular culture. Yeah. More and more people are starting to realize it's real. And to your point about this wounding, it really is happening. And there are legit studies from the CDC mm -hmm. now 
showing that this ancestral trauma is inherited mm -hmm. because they did studies like on people who were descendants of those who survived the Holocaust, for example, and they could prove there are higher levels of cortisol in their systems. They have greater occurrences of, for certain diseases and things like that. And so we can use guided imagery and going into the inner power of our meditative, powerful minds to send love and light to those ancestors, start bringing, cutting cords, you know, healing uh, and doing those things. And it can really make a huge impact in how we're, again, achieving peace in the now, which is why we would right. do this in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I set up a ancestor altar and light a candle and I have a little prayer that I say, you know, and I cover all of them <laughs> and it's just trying to develop that connection. And I always end it with the statement, you know, that I'm doing this to honor the knowledge that I am because they were, you know, and I think that, you know, I, I still have a lot of healing to do, <laughs> you know, not just personally, but collectively in terms of the family. So I think that's incredible work. And I think it's really important yeah. work. Yeah. So I also wanted to ask you, and I believe you have a book with this title, but you talk about it in the, in the, in the book, and hopefully I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but you coined this term supratrovi. Am I saying that correct? I like to, I call it supretrovy, but I thought it was easy to okay. pronounce. Nobody, nobody knows how to pronounce it. I just write this stuff, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Supretrovy. No, wait, say it again for me. I like to call it supretrovy. Oh, supretrovy. Okay. All right. All right. So anyway, can you explain, can you explain yes, what that far is? Out. It's better to read kids. Okay. <laughs> this is the other thing. So prior to this epiphany that I've had, about the ancestral connections. And I do want to applaud you for putting up an altar and doing this consciously. It's very important. Mm -hmm. And I, it's just good on you. So, but before that really became as vogue as it is now, it was occurring to me that as we're going about our daily business, I really believe we are being influenced by aspects of our past lives. Well, before I get too far into that first, so I did want to point out that the other piece of research in the genealogical area, which is to your point that you made earlier, is the fact that they've proven that much of our personalities, maybe 50% of our personality is actually carried in through our DNA. So when you say you're doing this on behalf of them, I just applaud and, and agree. I'm doing the same for myself. I yeah. mean, we all, I need a lot of healing. Yeah. Just like we all do. So that's been clinically proven, but the other area where I think we're getting influences is from our past lives. And so I like to travel a lot and I had had some very strange travel experiences where I felt like I had lived in different places before. And this led me to start interviewing people. And so there's lots of people who would travel to a place and all of a sudden like the modern surroundings would disappear and suddenly they would find themselves seeing things how they were maybe hundreds or thousands of years ago. And so I started this idea of trying to make up a word that would describe this. And so I call it supra, supra retro V, like supernatural retro, meaning past V, mm. meaning life. Okay. All right. That this is something we're minding our own business and something is just coming in straight out of the blue and just hitting us in the head, a feeling, a sensation. Maybe it's either, I love this place and I'm ready to move here, even though I just got here five minutes ago, or 
OMG, this is horrible. I'm going to pack my bags and I'm going to run kicking and screaming down the street. And then this could also be triggered by meeting familiar people, gems and minerals, if those stones come from different parts of the world where we've had past lives. And so then there's different, and of course, the big one, artifacts and objects mm -hmm. from museums. And I've got tons of case studies about this where people were really either wonderfully or more often adversely affected by these kinds of things. And so then the past life regression then is not the tool that we're using to discover where I've lived in a past life, but it's more the tool that you would use to heal from whatever it is that got dredged up there. But so I think there's a huge influence there and a now scientifically proven huge influence then coming in from our ancestors. So I think we're being hit aside from all the media content and everything else that you know, the third, the three-dimensional world is hitting us with, we're being intuitively and energetically hit with all of this input about how we feel. And so I think it's just really important for people to tune into how am I feeling right now? And there's just techniques that we can do to just bring consciousness and awareness to things and start sending light to areas that are a bit more challenging again, just with the goal to bring more peace to daily life. Hmm. Now, is this experience, say someone travels someplace and you do have a, that's one of the things I also picked out of your book is how well-traveled you are. And it was delightful because there were some places that I had been to as well. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Um, uh, but let's look at that for a moment. And there's another specific example from your book, which I'll bring up too. But what came to mind for me is the first time I went to England. I felt like I was, it was like, this is home. I feel at home here. And that's where my family comes, England and Wales, and in particular Wales. And it was interesting because like every 10th person looked just like my grandfather. And so there was that genetic component, <laughs> but also, and the ancestral component. And it would not surprise me at all if I had some previous life, you know, in England. And you and I was curious, is, is this something that would lead someone to pursue a past life regression? So in the book, there's a story and there's like three parts to it. I think like two different regressions perhaps, but it started with a married couple and I believe they were in Oslo and they were in a museum in Oslo and the gentleman saw one of the Viking boats and had this profound experience was that experience what drew him to having this past life regression? Is that what you find most common or is there other things at play in terms of people seeking this out? Normally people would seek out the regression. Um, typically, some, some are curious, but sometimes it's because they're having an issue in okay. one of three big areas. And again, to be incredibly simplistic, which I know life really isn't this simple, but mm. you know, love, health, or money, right. Mm. Or having right. love relationship challenges, maybe um, learning more about our health or our connections to, in this case, ancestors and, or mm. the umbrella of security, releasing fears, phobias, mm. Mm. or maybe prosperity issues, which to me or again, under that umbrella of security. So when people in that case study you were mentioning, this is more of a 
I don't know, a surprise. Like mm-hmm. I, I still, I believe that the soul is drawn back to the places where we've lived before. So somehow yeah. these people thought, Hey, let's go to Norway. This is amazing. And so now they're there. And then in this case, having this unbelievable reaction to this boat, mm. then that triggers then in their cases, yes, to say, wait a minute, I want to know more about this life that I, I potentially lived in this area in the past, because these objects can trigger, trigger that in this case, but also the, the actual being in the place where one has lived before. But I also point out, you know, a lot of us aren't going to be doing traveling I'm a crazy person, so I'll just get up and go. I don't do as much of that as I used to, but we can also be just as easily and profoundly impacted by programming that we're watching on National Geographic or Smithsonian mm-hmm. or something that can send people into these memories as well. And I, I think that in the, the new book, Past Lives in Ancient Lands, you mentioned earlier something that is very valid, which is most people will only go into past lives that are more recent, Mm. like Freddie Murphy, they're not going to go back to the earliest times. But I think that part of what would enable people to be able to do that has to do with what our consciousness, our 3D consciousness has been exposed to. And we have so many awesome programs now about places in the Middle East and different places that we're not really going to be getting into probably in this mm. lifetime. And I think that the more that those things are discussed, like in this, in ancient lands was the first time I'd ever written about ancient Persia or Mesopotamia, mm. because I have case studies there now, but 20 years ago, no, nobody would have been remembering that because they had never seen anything about mm. it. You know, it was you know more about this than I do as a philosophy instructor, you know, everybody's into Greece and Rome and we've yeah. got all these these con- this content about that. And I think that's part of what enables a person to go back that far for sure. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned a couple of times in the book, you know, well, if you can't travel, maybe you can do one of the 3D, you know, the virtual realities, right? And that was something else that I kind of connected with. I don't have that, but a good friend of mine has one of the sets and it's amazing. But because my background, you know, is in religious studies, there was a documentary film. I think it's the only documentary film to be released as a 3D movie. And I don't particularly care for 3D movies that much, but it was the Cave of Forgotten Dreams. And it was about one of the Paleolithic caves in France, Chauvet Cave. And Chauvet had been completely sealed off until the 1990s when it was discovered. And it's Werner Herzog, you know, the director Werner Herzog, he was able to get access to the cave and they shot it in 3D. And so I was all excited. I'm like, I got to go see this. And it was really incredible because there was one image as they were going through this cave because you got to feel like you were in the cave. It seemed so familiar. And I'd seen these pictures before, you know, I'd seen them many, many, many times before, but that sense of actually being there in the cave was like, is this a memory? (laughs) Am I remembering something here? So, so I can relate to these things quite a bit. It was really interesting. I'm also curious because with the super trophy, I think I'm getting that right. So it can be kind of triggered by travel the presence of artifacts, the gems and the stones, encountering familiar people. I was, uh, would something like intense likes or dislikes that you can't quite explain also perhaps be a prompt 
that there's something carrying over from a previous life. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because it's always the extremes, not the things in the middle. You really, you just showed up to the place and and now you feel like, oh my gosh, I want to build a house. I'm never leaving. Uh-huh. We have to say, wait a minute, maybe maybe there's something familiar here. And again, yes, extreme aversion is definitely another thing. Yeah. I, I got into this because I had gone to Key West, Florida many years ago. And anyone who's been there knows it's gorgeous there. There's what's not to love, but I had a really bad reaction. And although I'd been doing this work for a long time, this is about 2015 or so. I thought, wow, this place must be cursed or something. I just thought it was so horrible. And so I vowed, which is something that people do that has to be cleared. Never go to this place again. I said, there's something wrong with this place. So the next week I came home and somebody said, hey, you want to go to Key West? And <laughs> after a while, you know, I can get hit on the head with a two by four finally and go, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe it's not them. And I said, you know, I've got to have a past life regression mm. because this is such a huge coincidence. So I had one of my students regress me. Mm. And that's when I discovered that I had perished as I had been a pirate and I was acting mm. obnoxious and they dumped me out of the ship and I crawled to the shore and died. Mm. And so I cut the cords and I did all the healing that I described to readers in books where we just try to reshape reality, send light to these instances. And then I thought, now I'm just curious, you know, mm. I had been doing this work for a long time at that point. And I thought, let's practice what we preach now. Does this still work as well as it did before? And I went back to Key West and I was able to get very close to the area where I think this had happened. And and just started energetically tuning into it until I started feeling better. And then I went around and I had a great day. And then that's when I said, if this has happened to me, it has got to have happened to other people. And it's probably and very, very common. But what happens is, you know, the society tells us this stuff is crazy or we tell ourselves, okay, that was weird, but we just dismiss it and we go about our day. So a lot of the people I interviewed, they would say, well, I, you know what? something like that did happen to me, but I'm going to need to get back to you after I have time to think about it. And your point about the virtual reality is such a good one. I had borrowed some virtual reality goggles from my brother and I went on a virtual trip to Dubai and I was standing at this major intersection. And so back in 2020, right before everything got shut down, I'd always wanted to go to Dubai. And again, is it a past life connection? I don't know, but I got off the train and I was coming to the airport towards that intersection. And I started just having a memory that I had been there before. So you're exactly right. I mean, and where was that memory? If you're in the cave and you know, you've never been there at all in this lifetime, then I would say that's a clue, you know, that you've been there before. And so we really, with this technology, don't even have to leave the living room Mm. to go to these places. And in the virtual reality environment, you really actually get to see things better than you see them when you're there, which is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned a brother and that just brought to mind siblings. And I would imagine that you probably have many instances of people having past life memories. And this connects, I guess, to the genealogical regression, but finding current siblings, having relationships with them in previous lifetimes. Definitely. Family members in general, I think, I I really believe at a soul level, we make a decision about the family that we're choosing, because as we've discussed, you're not just choosing this group of people, but you're choosing that whole ancestral line to embody. Mm -hmm. 
And then of course, these are the same souls in our group who potentially we've encountered many, many times. And they're here to push our buttons and be difficult mm, at times, yeah. maybe because they really love us and they're helping us get yeah. the lessons that we're coming here to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that I'll share another personal aspect here. Um, I have this very strange aversion, not to a place so much, but to jewelry on men, especially necklaces. I just hate it. I can't stand it. I won't wear anything around my neck, nothing like that. And I have for the longest time, I don't know, it's been decades since I've thought of this, but I've always attributed that to, you know, this is probably some past life thing here because there's no real reasonable, rational explanation for why I don't like necklaces on men. But when I was reading your book, something kind of hit me that I had never actually noticed before is that my brother constantly wears one of those seashell necklaces <laughs> you just look at him and just go <laughs> well it, it, well yeah i would probably do that if he didn't wear the necklace no i'm just kidding <laughs> I, I love my brother but yeah it was like you know that's really interesting that i have this total aversion to it but yet he's constantly wearing it that's like his signature you know and i'm like i wonder if there's did he kill me in a previous life <laughs> oh, that's interesting that yeah. is interesting because yeah you wonder like were you wearing one and you know yeah. maybe you were robbed or you know yeah. you know yeah. and then he's just throwing it in your face subconsciously you know <laughs> no no that is interesting no yeah well he's a butthead so i love him but <laughs> i hear um, you my friend these family members i'll tell you what yeah 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 so Very i was yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I was wondering if maybe you could go a little bit deeper in terms of the connection between past lives, past memory, past memories, and energy work. I know you talked about it a little bit, but I was wondering if you could go into a little bit more detail about that and how that works, how it manifests. Yeah, this is, I guess, more of my strange background. I had had, when I was living in Denver as an adult, I had had a near-death experience there. Mm -hmm. uh, I was I heard an inner voice tell me there was something wrong with my heart. I did not have an accident, but one night I just got up and I left my body. And when I mm -hmm. came back from that, I had energy running out of my hands and I knew things that were not part of my conscious awareness. And so that's when I started doing energy healing and getting in the regressions and, and just understanding even at that moment that thought that, that new age cliche that thoughts are things and things mm. you think, well, okay, is that really real? There was just some inner knowing that these memories that we have are energetic. They're sitting in the areas in these fields that are around our physical bodies. And so once I started working with past life regression, if we're talking about some issue that happened in the middle ages and you can talk about it and we can go back to that life in the meat hall or whatever. I'm just making that up. Obviously mm. we can talk through it, but in order for it to really get up out of the body, I need to send energy to it and try to get the thought form, which I would call a thought form, like an energetic component to just, or to heal mm. or to cut cords with that. And then the person can start to feel like a rush of energy coming back to them as if stuck energy has been freed. There's almost a physical sensation that can happen when we're releasing the energetic component of these memories. And the other way this happens, I ended up 
studying transcendental med meditation. And then I got into Vipassana where we basically sit in a mat for 10 days and in a silent retreat, which as you can tell, my family couldn't believe I could be silent for 10 days. <laughs> believe me, I did it. But you're sitting there on a mat and all of a sudden you start to feel these thought forms that I had been talking about for 20 years coming up and they would start popping off. You'd feel a physical pain. Mm. And the only directions you're receiving is just breathe through your nose and try to keep your mind as clear as possible. But if a thought comes, just let it go. But these physical pains would start to come up and they're telling you, please, whatever you do, just try to sit still. And if you sit still long enough, I was starting to feel things just twist off of the body, off of the neck, off, you know? And so I think the past life regression can do this as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but meditation can do it also. It's getting that karma, the energetic component of our karma up and out of our energy field. And again, that's the path to peace, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really interesting. And I, I really do think that that new age cliche, you know, I, I don't necessarily say thoughts are things, but I do recognize how incredibly powerful thoughts are in terms of our physical well-being and affecting the energy as well. And so however this works, I think it's really valuable. But speaking of new age cliches or cliches in general, I did want to ask you, because you did mention this in the book, I was speaking with a friend last night and had mentioned that I would be speaking with you today and what your book was about. And um, she brought up Cleopatra and how so many people, and this is a criticism, right, of the past life regressions that so many people are like, oh, yes, I was Cleopatra. And you even noted in the book that just in Dallas, you had six people that claimed that. And it's very rare, at least in the popular consciousness, it's very rare to hear someone saying, you know, yeah, I was a garbage collector or I was scrubbing bidets somewhere. But a lot of what you have in the book are kind of those sorts of things. So I was curious about if you could just say something about Cleopatra and maybe what you find is more common, you know, people thinking that they were having this past life experience of being someone famous or just being a regular human being. Yeah, this is a fun topic. And yes, it's very cliche that everybody thinks that maybe they'll remember that they were someone famous. Obviously, yes, I in my early career, I regressed six Cleopatras. So let's say <laughs> that, that ain't gonna happen. Okay, maybe it was one of them Cleopatra, I don't know. And if people listen to Coast to Coast AM, my friend George Nori has a lady who calls in who really believes she is Cleopatra and she calls mm -hmm. in all the time. So all these people cannot be Cleopatra, we know that. So the reality is what is going on there? This is one thing I have said since I started this crazy profession. I don't know what's going on here. Are they right. picking up on an archetype? Is there something about that regal queen that is speaking to them as at a soul level and they've adopted that? And even getting back to Bridie Murphy, you know, they thought she was making that whole thing up also. But as you've also mentioned, which is true, most people who go into these scenarios are yes scrubbing the bidet or they're some peasant there a lot of times they're killed for stealing food that's a very mm -hmm. common one just something very remedial and that's one of the reasons why i think it is valid and it must be coming from somewhere because if we were gonna make this stuff up then wouldn't we want it to be more exciting 
And yet along those lines, these Cleopatras did not make it up. I didn't sense they were making it up. There's something archetypal there maybe happening mm. for them. And yet, as long as they get their outcome through, you know, we're going into the past, we've got a problem in the now. So we're going to go back to an origin point where the problem began. And so if that happened in our current childhood, great. But if it happened thousands of years ago, we're going to go back to that place see what we were doing there and then ask ourselves, okay, what lessons did we learn? How did what we were doing back there apply to the thing that we're doing here? And so it's kind of like talking through that. So if, if being Cleopatra or whatever helps them come to some different conclusion about a challenge that they're dealing with, I'm again, not one who's going to judge them, but I, I think mm -hmm. that we, we do have instances of people picking up on all kinds of these different things, depending on, you know, what's happening with them. And it is, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I did in my first book live stream, I did kind of make a little fun of it. I mean, yeah. I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but just right, right, right. most of us are, yes, scrubbing toilets, basically. <laughs> and yeah. it's not fun. Yeah, the human condition, the human condition. <laughs> so um I I I I think that that's really valuable. And you had mentioned very early on in the book about imagination. And one of the other things that I thought was, you know, again, thinking that it doesn't necessarily matter whether or not the person literally had this past life, but they're having this experience that's helping them heal. And it's occurring within the imagination or through this sort of guided journey. And I think that's incredibly valuable and, and quite, quite useful. But I was also kind of curious in the book, you cover pretty much the entirety of the world. And I'm sure that there were a lot of places that were left out, but I was really curious. You had several people that had these past life memories in Egypt, but I was wondering, well, what about the rest of Africa? What about even earlier since Africa is the place where humanity began it was our nursery have you had patients have memories from those very early early days in africa there's a section the book is divided into chronological mm -hmm. order so i happen to attract a ton of clients who are attracted to ancient egypt because of some of the other books that i had written for the Edgar casey mm -hmm. foundation so that's okay. one of the, i just have a lot of that mm -hmm. um I do have some in the earliest times in the prehistory hunter gatherers where people yeah, right. believe they were in that area, okay. but I have not regressed as many of the mm. clients into different scenarios in later times. I think it's, again, mm. it's just the clients, whoever I've attracted over the course of the years. So, okay. Yeah. I was just kind of curious. About but I agree. Yeah. 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 So, are, you know, we were talking about the signs of the supertrophy. Are there any other signs that you're aware of that may be suggestive that someone has had a previous life or that a previous life is interfering with their energetic wellness right now? With some of the other issues would be, I mentioned it briefly earlier, but issues around prosperity or mm. they're not getting ahead in life. Sometimes those can be traced back to different vows or mm. 
soul agreements that were made in past life. And so we can go back like and we find some people perhaps had lives as in monastic environments Mm -hmm. where they took the vow of silence or the vow of poverty. And so now they they've somehow carried that energy in. And so there's Mm -hmm. a point they can they can bless that and release that and decide that, okay, that was then and this is now. And then they can start moving forward to accumulating and and making money and things like that. So I, I really believe there's just about anything mm. can be addressed through mm. past lives. The other areas, I guess, you know, when people are around artifacts, we talked about not being able to travel, but one of the coolest, it's an Egypt story, of course, but one of the coolest stories I ever had about this was a friend of mine who went to visit King Tut's regalia when it came Mm. to town and started having a full-blown panic attack into the place so his friends had to help him outside and he then when I was doing my initial interviewing saying did this happen to anyone he said this did happen to me and so we took him on a regression where he saw himself being buried by sand he was one of the tomb Mm. builders and Mm. he sand had collapsed on him and at a soul level he felt very upset about this and so we did a healing because he felt like he hadn't served the Pharaoh. And so we did a healing on that and he felt much better. That that's again, an Egypt example, which yes, I do have plenty of those. So, yeah. Yeah. So you also talk a few things I I wanted to ask you about in this one is the space before birth. I think that you refer to it as the before the before the before or something. And I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Yes. One of the other areas that people would want to explore in regression Mm. is what is my purpose? Why am Mm. I here? What is my purpose as a soul? And so this is a very powerful process to help people do that. And one of the best places they can go rather than into past lives is into this celestial space in the moments before they were born in this life where they're meeting with the creator of their understanding who talks to them about, okay, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to learn about X, Y, Z. And I, what I find is, I think a lot of people are really hard on themselves. Like they think Mm. they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing because life is very confusing and vague at times. And so sometimes this can bring great healing and great self-acceptance to somebody because we'll go through this process of almost getting the roadmap and then I'll have them look at different things that have happened to them in their current life. And they'll say, oh, wow, I did do this and that and the other. I forgot about that. You know, it'll help Mm -hmm. them say, oh, wow, well, maybe I am okay. You know, that can be very, very powerful, I think. Yeah. Now, you don't address this in the book, but I, I wanted to ask, and if you don't know, or if you don't have an answer, that's fine. But I was wondering if in your own experiences in past life regression or those of your clients in that before the before, if it has given you any insight into sort of the mechanisms, that's the correct word, I don't know, but I'll use that sort of the mechanisms of reincarnation. Wow. That is quite a question. (laughs) You know, I still just don't know. I really don't know the lot. You know how like, well, you're the philosophy person. Mm. You know how the more you dig in, mm. there's times when you feel like the more I dig in, the more I realize I don't know a thing. Yeah. And I'm not sure, you know, 
I've never been sure and I'm still not sure. Yeah. Are we just, I mean, I think there's something valuable in terms of helping our inner peace, but when we get to the other side, is any of this going to be even valid or was this all right. just stuff we were making up? So I, I don't know that it's, I think I'd become more confused. Mm, okay. All right. <laughs> and that's, that's I didn't think I was because yeah. you know, you're younger, you, you just think you know everything. And then yeah. the more you just talk to different people, you, you can come to resolution, but no, I think yeah. I don't. Okay. Yeah. No, that's honest answer. And I think it's a good answer because I don't think any of us really know. And you're absolutely right. You know, I think that, you know, in terms of philosophy, Socrates got it right. The only thing I know is that I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's a good, it's a good attitude. Yeah. And if we did know though, wouldn't we be bored out of our skulls? I mean, you know, I think that there's things we're just not meant to know. And I'm, I'm here to say, I don't even know if, yeah. if there are, if past lives, is this really how it is? I don't right. know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't know if we would be bored. I think that would depend on the answer. You know, well, um, you know, it seems to me that maybe, you know, it's just so mind boggling huge that, you know, we have like a little pebble of it in this life. And then maybe, you know, we could get, you know, a sort of altered state of consciousness, you know, be it, you know, hypnosis, shamanic drumming or something may get, you know, like a little stone and have a greater understanding, but the real understanding is just so far beyond. So yeah, it's probably best not to make any kind of claims and just say, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's honest. So, but I did want to ask you another thing that I found really interesting, and this goes to something that I've thought about quite a bit and something that my friend that I was speaking to last night also brought up because you also have people having, and I don't know that a past life would be the best way of framing it, but it's concurrent lifetimes in either parallel universes, parallel worlds, something like that. And I found that quite fascinating. And I was wondering if you could say a little bit about that. Yeah, this was another weird thing that kind of fell in my lap in the early part of my career. I had this friend who's now deceased. He was one of my clients. I had a dream one night where we were driving down a two-lane highway and it was very vivid and certain things went on. And I thought, wow, that was weird. So I called him, I told him about it and he's picked it right up where I left off and described the place exactly as I had seen it. And I said, my gosh, I wonder if we're living in a parallel world together. So I began experimenting with clients to see if they were able to simultaneously remember things that they're experiencing here and now, but in other places simultaneously, of which, because time doesn't really exist, past lives could come through, but also different earths where they were living in parallel universes. And this was back in the days when the that movie, What the Bleep? Do we know was really popular, which everybody's kind of forgotten about that now. But so I brought that back up here in ancient lands because the parallel journeys that people go on can be pretty interesting there to me though, it, it has to have a healing value or else I, mm. you know, don't really give it a lot of credence. So the one thing that came <clears throat> from that experimentation that was very valuable is something that happens to everybody. We all have something that happened to us in our current life where we had to make a decision and it was very difficult. And so now in the current moment, if things are not going well for us today, we go, dang, you know what? I wonder if I had done this instead, if my mm -hmm. life would be better right now. And so there's an exercise where people can go back to a critical decision point and they can travel down to the 
the outcome of the other decision had they made it. And every single time, Nick, that they went there, they were able to come back into waking consciousness going, you know what? I made the right choice Mm. the first time. And so that can be very healing because sitting around beating ourselves up over what ifs is Mm. something that I think every single human alive has done at one point or another. And if we can stop doing that on these certain instances, that can be very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see the value of that. And you're right. We all do that. (laughs) We all beat ourselves up and, you know, we need to learn to be kinder to ourselves. I think much, much kinder. So when someone comes to you for a past life regression and they may do this for a variety of reasons, you know, maybe something, you know, they've gone someplace and it's like, I think something's going on here. Or they may be stuck in some way in their lives and whatnot. What is the process? Are you like just taking them back to where the wound started? Or if someone's like, you know, look, I was in England and it felt like home and I just want to see what's up with that. What's the process that you do with working with clients in terms of these past life regressions? Yeah, there's a specific way we go into it. We do relaxing from head to feet, surrounding the person with light. They walk through a doorway and they meet with an angel or a guide or a being of light, some some higher intelligence who loves them, who's going to go with them. And then there's different ways to get into it. So then they go into those spaces, usually with an interior construct of something that is linear, like we're going to float over a ray of sunshine Mm. that looks like a time, or we're going to go into the other way is to go into a closet or we can float Mm. down rivers, things that suggest that we're beginning today and we're going to go backwards in time. And then they're directed just to go back to the origin point of the Mm. challenge or of the thing that they want to know about. It could be a good thing. Like, why do I love water? Or, you know, it's something positive or it could be something challenging. Just go back to that origin point. Sometimes they won't go all the way back. And then once they get to that first experience, I'll say, is this the actual place where this originated? And if they say no, then we just keep trying to take them back. But that gets again into what we talked about before that most people will go back to something that maybe happened you know, in the 16, 1700s. They're not going to go all the way back thousands of years all the time. Right. And so that would be the intention then that would be set before the session. Yes. I do try to get them to come up with the intention. Like, what are we working on? Another great intention though, that can actually sometimes yield better results than when we're attached to things. If they, if they just said, well, I just want whatever's for my highest good to come up. Mm, Right. I think either way that happens because a lot of times people will bring up certain things they want to work on, but it's related to other things because of the interconnectivity of everything. So I think that what needs to happen usually emerges. Okay. All right. And I would imagine that, do you find that once people have a success with this, that they want to keep doing it, that they're like, you know, okay, well, this is healed. So I wonder if this aspect of my life has a past life aspect. They could. And yet, you know, even I haven't had a ton of regressions considering all things considered because it's still a tool. So Mm. I think that so many things can get resolved so well Mm. that maybe some years from now they, they come back or in, in the case of my book, so see, I've got all of these guided imagery journeys 
know, that readers right. can use because I'm yeah. really into the idea that people can learn how to use these things themselves. Yeah. So I feel like it's something that is a tool though. And, and really it's not something that we would normally want to keep doing. If I'm teaching a class mm. on regression, we had a group <laughs> during the pandemic, we had been just doing so many regressions. I mean, it just gets to become silly after a while. We're like, okay, fine. We're done. Yeah. We're done yeah. for now. Yeah. So I think there's only so much we can do. Yeah. Curious, since you mentioned the pandemic, have you had anyone have a past life regression to a previous pandemic? You know, like the Black Death is what I was thinking of. And maybe a connection between having gone through the current pandemic and a past one. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated by the Black Death. Yeah. I didn't specifically have a lot of people during the time talking about that, though. I think people were, it was so horrific mm. to have this happening to us in modern times. I think people largely think that we're immune to such things. And mm. I think it's shocking. So I didn't have anything like that happen. But what did happen, and I've never even talked about this before, many years ago in my first book, I briefly mentioned that I felt like I was this very poor kid who died around the turn of the century. And I was supposed to take care of a sick sister who had passed away and stuff. And so I went, I was traveling again last fall and I was in Portugal and I went to Fatima, which is where mm. the Virgin Mary had been seen. And there was just something about that. I didn't feel that the place was familiar, but it was like, I felt that it was familiar to me. Like I knew of it, that this is a, a place in Northern Portugal where these very poor children had had a sighting of the Virgin Mary and it's been documented by the Catholic church and things like that. And it occurred to me that somehow maybe I lived in Spain or Portugal during that time. And I knew of this place. I had heard of this miracle or something. And then I, I felt that I probably did because that, that memory that I'd had that I wrote about in my 2003 book, I never really got any more information on it. But I really felt that I might have died of the Spanish flu, hmm. which originated in Spain. So it happened right. to me, kind of. Right. But oh. that was, again, kind of a, I don't know. Well, what's weird about traveling, you know, I mean, you go to a place, you think you really want to go there. And then maybe it's the place you never heard of that made more of an impact on you. Or in this hmm. case, I thought there's something for years. I've always wanted to go to Fatima. I never, hmm. somebody was saying, well, what is Fatima? I said, I don't even know what it is, but I'm going to go over there because I was on hmm. a cruise. And then I was like, oh, I'm learning about it. I'm like, well, I've definitely never been here before. So I must have just known about this. And I think mm -hmm. it was in one of my more recent lives. And so it'll be interesting now that we're beyond the pandemic, though, as mm -hmm. I hear from new people to see if maybe they could access the Black Death or some of these mm -hmm. other memories. I think when it when we're right in it and it was so terrorizing for everybody, I think yeah. we were maybe too close. But that's an interesting one that I will yeah. definitely be looking into because I thought about writing I wanted to write another book called you know past lives in the middle ages since this other mm. one was about ancient times because that that is some interesting times in the middle ages yeah, yeah for sure for sure yeah that would be really really interesting and you know it, your experience in Spain it brought to mind the I don't know how to explain express this quite clearly but of uh, almost like finding yourself someplace that it almost seemed inevitable. And what I'm thinking of is, again, a personal experience is 
when I was much younger, much more brazen and free, I quit my job. I sold everything I owned and I left the country. And I, I did a bike ride through Italy and France. And I had a friend with me and the friend that I traveled with originally, when we were thinking of doing this, he wanted to go to Nepal. He wanted to, we, we toyed with Russia, but he wanted to go to Nepal and we, and I looked up at the plane tickets for, you know, Kathmandu and I'm like, oh no, this is no, we can't do that. I didn't know what the cost, the daily costs were. It would have been probably better in some ways. And I really didn't have this burning desire to go. But then years later, where do I end up? <laughs> and I've been to Nepal three times now. Wow. Um, and it was interesting that, you know, as you were speaking, I was like, you know, I, I never felt like I had this like, like I had been there before or anything like that. But it seems like I had been called there for whatever reason. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, maybe that's also an example of the super trophy that you find yourself someplace that you don't anticipate. You, you know, you're bringing up such a good point that happened to me a lot as well. I think that the way we get awoken to this, whether we're watching the discovery channel or not, could be through friends. Mm. You know, I mean, somebody's, I, I used to like to listen to people tell me about their vacations you mentioned Africa earlier. I was just now thinking about this. I hadn't thought of this in years, but we talked about Denver. I had worked in the historical district of Denver for a while and I was give, touring around the neighborhood and there were some people who owned an African art gallery and just listening to them talk about that. It just took me away. And I started having dreams mm -hmm. that I was in a circle and we were drumming and I was in this tribe and I ended up going to South Africa and I just fell in love with the people there. Uh, I just felt like I had been there before, for sure, yeah. myself. Yeah. Not as many case studies from other people, but yeah. And I think what you're talking about, like your friend told you about this, you didn't really want to go, but if you're meant to go, it's brought into your awareness, I think, for a reason. And then yeah. later, maybe that can come to pass, which I guess it did. And so yeah. I love yeah. that. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know you mentioned it in the book. It is an amazing place. But you just mentioned dreams. Would that be another kind of indicator of a past life, maybe having a dream set in another land, another time? I hear, yeah, I hear this occasionally too. I mean, I don't do dream analysis. You know, right, I, think, right. I think a lot of times we could analyze our own dream if we would just think about what this is about. But when they're about strange places that we've never been before, that we can sense is here on planet earth. And I think that there could be something of the soul, you know, just speaking to us in that space. We still don't understand dreams. Hmm. And I think that's definitely a place where this information comes from for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, and it also seems like just personal, there's a lot of karma that gets cleared out with this work. So I mentioned the example of the fellow in the museum in Oslo. And then when he had the regressions, the first regression was that he was a Viking on one of the raids. And then I don't know if this was the same regression, but had the experience of being raided as it were and yeah. connected it to, you know, I mean, it, that seemed like it was a karmic lesson, but it also seemed to inform some of his attitudes in this life. Yeah, he encountered this long ship there and it brought 
this feeling. And so in the regression, yes, he was one of the Viking invaders who was pillaging and plundering on others. And then there was a phenomenon that would happen with these monasteries that were built out on the rocky cliffs of Scotland or whatever, and these were being raided. And so what would it feel like then? Whatever, there's an idea in karma, right? That whatever we're doing to others is going to be done to us. It's like cause and effect. It's like a wheel. And so in this case, yeah, he got to see both ends of the spectrum. And then, and then it kind of, we can beat ourselves up again about it, but we can just say, well, it is what it is. I learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. it's about. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's a valuable tool for self-knowledge. I think it is. And again, we'll, we'll figure out when we pass away and go into yeah. the spirit world, whether this self-knowledge, how real it is or how much of a pinpoint of the bigger picture it is, but right. and just trying to maintain and create greater peace in the here and now so that we can get through this world and do the things that we really are here to do. I think it is a helpful tool. It certainly helped me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I applaud you for that because, you know, we're, we're all kind of broken and we all need healing. So anyone who contributes to that is doing good work. So let me ask you, I know that we are pretty much out of time here, but I wanted to ask you what's next for you. What do you have coming up? Oh gosh, I'm still writing. I just turned in a very long, long, long book. <laughs> Uh, it's not on Amazon yet, so I won't tell anyone exactly what it is, but it will have past life regressions in it and it will have genealogical regressions in it. Now, pretty much all of my books are going to have both. I've just re-released a book called Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories in second edition. It's going to, I added genealogical regression to it, doing some audio books, just, you know, the journey continues basically. All right. Wonderful. And is, um, uh, www.pastlifelady.com still the best place for people to go to find out more about you and your work yes it's because my name is hard to spell so i know they <laughs> there, they'll find my books my sessions and everything else so. all right well wonderful wonderful well shelly thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today i really enjoyed the conversation and i'm very very grateful Nick, this has been fantastic to speak with you. And I just wish you continued success on your yeah. show. Love it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. And that's a wrap on episode 73 of Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening or watching if you are a part of my YouTube audience or view this on Spotify. If you like what I do here on Rebel Spirit Radio and would like to support my work, please consider becoming a patron. I spend quite a bit of time on each podcast episode and have plans for growing the YouTube channel, but I really can't do that without some additional financial support. Right now, this is a labor of love, and I hope that if you find any value in it, that you can help me in continuing this work. There are currently four levels of Patreon membership, Seeker, Sage, Adept, and Guru. Some of the perks available include early access to videos, Shoutouts to members, a members-only Facebook page, access to the Rebel Spirit Radio Discourse server, a monthly book club, and the opportunity to join me and special guests for what I've been calling Cocktail Apocalypse, Happy Hour at the End of the World. You can find the link for the Patreon in the show notes or video description. And of course, if you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can still do so via PayPal. I will be tremendously grateful for any support you can provide. Another way that you can help the podcast is to share it with friends, family, or even coworkers that you think will enjoy it. That really is one of the best ways you can help and support the podcast. 
as I've mentioned a few times now, I often kid that I'm here in the Southland doing missionary work in regards to religion, spirituality, and ecology, psychedelics, and consciousness, and how all of this can help us heal humanity's relationship with the sacred earth. So if you feel moved by the rebel spirit, please, by all means, help share the good news. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to give it a positive rating on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. It only takes a second and your five-star ratings really do help, especially if you listen on Apple. If you have a moment to spare, please consider posting a short but positive review and please subscribe. And for those viewing on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit that notification bell so you will be informed when I upload new content. I'm Nick Mather, and you've been listening to Rebel Spirit Radio. Until next time, may you be in peace, may you flourish in all possible ways, and may you continue to nurture your rebel spirit.